Welcome back. Today, we are going to uh, re return to some discussion about COVID. We haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks. And, um, but with, with so much news coming out about the vaccinations, uh, we now have three vaccines that are available. And um, you know, lots of people are, are going out and getting their vaccine. Uh, Richard, I know that you just recently got yours. I'm scheduled to get mine uh, at the end of this coming week, or at least our first round. Um, and so there's a lot of excitement and hope coming out about the, the vaccines. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today, especially as it relates to, my goodness, so much, many reports about people who are um, against, the, against the vaccine. You, know, going on. you and I had, I remember when I, when I started say, hearing this anti-vaxxer business throughout this pandemic, there's been these this misinformation or whatever, however you want to characterize it. I remember in the early days, it was, do we need to worry about, it? is it really real? Do we need to worry about it? Is it just another flu virus? And throughout uh, 2020, um, we had all these um, uh, conflicting views about what this was and, you know, should we social distance? Should we, remember mask, anti-maskers, okay? So throughout this pandemic, um, we've had these, uh, differences come up and now we're at the stage where we do have a vaccine and now we have anti instead of anti-maskers now we have anti-vaxxers and so um we thought well that's that's the latest topic so let's let's touch on that yes i got i got mine last friday my first dose last friday you're getting yours this coming friday right. and all i can say is it's a relief to know that uh, that at least we're doing something right. to try to stave off this this pandemic um and so we have two articles today yeah. about um, vaccinations and anti-vaxxers. Um, one of them, this first one, is a really nice history about right. the anti-vax, um, about vaccines and anti-vaccine. Yeah, it, it was actually published before the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. So, right. Um, but, it, but it is a bit of a history and, you know, it, it dates back, people who are against vaccines date back some time now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long, there's a long history yeah, I think you're all going to, we're not going to, not, not going to um, disclose it yet, but you'll all be surprised with, with one of the early anti-vaxxers. Right, right. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, to things like this, um, you know, COVID-19 isn't our first pandemic. You know, it's not the first time that we've had widespread um, right. viruses or, or, you know, things that can cause death and, and serious mm -hmm. illness. And so, you know, that dates back hundreds of years um, that we at least know about. You know, there were even, there were some even before then, but we have good history and good records, you know, dating back, goodness, to the 1300s um, uh, with the Black Death, right? right? Yeah, you've all heard of the, <clears throat> you're studying that in your history classes, the famous Black Death, uh, Black Plague mm -hmm. um, in the 1300s, which absolutely devastated the continent of Europe. Yeah, um, 200, 200 million people died. Um, and the population of the world was much smaller then than it is today. Right. And that could be close to half the population of Europe. Eventually they got herd immunity, but it, after 200 million people died. So uh, you know, don't, don't, um, don't wish too hard for herd immunity right. because a lot of people are gonna die. Um, and by the 1600s, <laughs> You know, they had that picture of the person with the beak, like the. Yeah. I always wondered about that. Yeah. Well, what did that mean? Uh, there's old masks. <laughs> right. And it looked like the, like a bird beak. Yeah. And the 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 goal was they were the uh, plague doctors wore those mm -hmm. to protect themselves from miasma, the, the bad air, because by the 1600s they knew there was something. Right. in the air causing this thing. So they put on these long beak masks and then and solve that mystery for me. What, what is that about? Um, but in the 1800s, actually it was in the 1700s, right. that smallpox mm -hmm. was a plague. Um, if you look at the pictures of even some of the founding fathers who got smallpox and they're, um, they're, it, it um, left uh, sores and you know uh, lesions and, and um, holes in your skin. There's a famous picture of, you know, what did Thomas Jefferson really look like? Um, if somebody got smallpox, they, they were left with these, uh, the scarring and um, on their faces. But by 1800, by the 1800s, 
I guess they refer to it as the third pandemic. So there's 1300s, 1600s, 1800s, was when Alexander Yurtsin, a, a French physician, um, was able to um, identify the cause of the bubonic plague. And that was the, it wasn't the rat, it was a flea on the rat right. um, that was causing. So, so finally after 500 years, they finally had the discovery. Uh, when you think of ours, it was several months when we had, when we discovered um, the coronavirus, you know, what caused the coronavirus. So um, science is a good thing. Yeah. So then that brings us up to the present day. And what, so what this guy is saying is here, you have this history of plagues. And what he was writing about, and, and I had almost forgotten about this, was that famous measles right. epidemic in 2019. And I'd forgotten completely about that. Right, because people were so upset about those those who, who did not get their kids vaccinated against the measles and right. blaming you know the anti-vaccine um, movement for this more recent 2019 outbreak of, of the measles. Right. Yeah, and and for it, as far as the medical community is concerned, you know you have these you you know about vaccinations, you know what they can do, and you know it's been the greatest discovery in medicine in hundreds of years that we can actually inoculate vaccine immunize you against the disease and why on earth wouldn't you do it right. and so this measles epidemic in 2019 um, was a, another reminder um, of, uh, of the value of vaccinations because measles is a very very contagious very virulent 90% uh, of people who are exposed get it and one or two of every 1,000 people who get it will die so the mortality rate it's actually pretty high with measles. It's not a, it's not a trifling. I had measles. Um, <clears throat> um, most of us got it in those years, and um, it's it's a it's a not lethal for most, but one one to two per thousand is a pretty high mortality rate, mm -hmm. and it's a pretty miserable death too. Whooping cough is probably worse. You know, there's a whooping cough vaccine now, and kids who die of whooping cough die a pretty miserable death. So, but with vaccination. The infection rate goes from 90% to 5%. Okay. But in the past 20, and in the past 20 years, we've seen a couple of outbreaks, but they're usually confined to very uh, tiny geographic locations, like an Amish community in Ohio and an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, so typically uh, we know that there are certain religious beliefs um, that uh, prevent uh, people from becoming vaccinated, but it's usually confined to that single group. Right. Yeah. And and so and so many times when we see these outbreaks, they are within those who um who who do not do vaccinations, um, either because of religious reasons or, or because of health reasons. Oh, right. Because, mm -hmm. or, you know, we, we certainly have the um the, the more recent uh trigger, I suppose, the most recent reason that many people um um claim for not vaccinating. Um from our from recent studies and, and things like that um, that we'll talk about in just a few minutes, but um, but yeah, we, we see these um, outbreaks in very contained situations, mm -hmm. or sometimes in other countries, but they're oftentimes in third world countries or countries right. that don't have access mm -hmm. to healthcare uh, for its population. And so, um, like like polio, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have our polio vaccines, but um, you, you know. Polio isn't completely eradicated. There are people who still get polio, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and so it's uh, the vaccine doesn't eradicate uh, these these conditions, but it does protect most of us. Right. And if you if you vaccinated your country, you know, if, if everybody in the United States would get, you could reach near eradication. You get right. very close. To, I mean, essentially, polio has been eradicated in the United States. But it's not eradicated worldwide because not everybody has access to polio vaccine. Right. Um, and so you, you don't get complete eradication, but you can get very close, especially if you focus on a particular country. Right. And then it would just take one of those people from that other country to come to the United States. That's right. And then right. it's here. Um, that's right. And that's part of the problem now is that as people travel around the world, if, if you're coming from an area where there are no vaccines and you enter a country like hours where you know some groups don't get vaccinated well then they're they're uh, opportunistic hosts and so the vaccine settles it, it reemerges and people are unvaccinated 
So in the past, most of the anti-vaccine has been because of religious reasons. Mm -hmm. But now there is this, this other uh, reason, and that is that for some reason, the um, vaccines, uh, the, especially the MMP, the measles, mumps, um, MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, somehow are, have been linked to autism. Right. And that has become um, another problem to deal with. In fact, so many people have um, avoided, wanted to avoid the vaccine, were against vaccines, that 17 states uh, now allow for non-medical exemptions. Right. Uh, we've always allowed for non-medical, you know, medical exemptions have always existed, but 17 states, it used to be 18, but uh, again, one of the things that I had forgotten about was Disneyland had an outbreak. There was an outbreak of measles in Disneyland. Again, probably because people from other countries came in, had not been vaccinated, and began to spread the disease here. That was in 2015. So California, which was the 18th state that had non-medical exemptions, canceled the non-medical exemptions and said, no, we're going back. So now you have 17 states. Right. Um, and then there's a wonderful quote from this article. Yeah. It says, but the problem now extends well beyond the insular preferences of some religious groups. In Washington state, the measles epidemic has been attributed to the very aggressive anti-vaccination lobby in the Pacific Northwest. And this is unrelated to religious practices. Right. Um, and so there is this movement, um, this anti-vax movement that somehow took hold um, and has become so of such concern that the presidents of the American Academy of Pediatrics and the International Pediatric Association called for an international effort to combat dangerous misinformation. That's their, their phrase, dangerous misinformation um, that has made parents fear vaccines. So suddenly this notion that somehow um, the vaccines are related to autism has frightened parents who are concerned, legitimately concerned about the welfare of their children. And as a result, 25%, by 2015, 25% of US children were not vaccinated or they were only partially vaccinated. And this is a huge uh, health, um, health problem. Absolutely. And, and it's, it, a lot of it stems from this, um, I think we should just call it a myth that, um, that vaccinations cause autism. You know, right. I know. I know that we will have comments in our uh, in the on YouTube, um, on our YouTube channel that says uh, that goes says that uh, we are wrong and that we're it's horrible that we're uh, touting this information, but the research is very consistent that um, that there is no link between um, mm -hmm. you know causal link between. Um, vaccinations and autism right. um, and and it's we've known that just about since the myth began you right. know um, it was it was less than a year after that uh, that now famous um, uh, the Lancet article was published it, it was less than a year later there were multiple articles published that de debunked the the claims uh, that were made in that article but you know as we know, once a myth takes hold, um, it sticks. Right. It's very difficult. Once it once it enters, um, I was going to say consciousness, but now once it enters the internet, right? You know, it's very difficult because it spreads. It spreads very quickly. Right. Um, the myth and it takes hold. And one of the one of the recurring themes in these articles, and you're right, um, we we don't. There, there are very strong feelings about vaccinations and vaccines and what they do and what they don't do. And we understand that we're entering a, a controversial area here, but the issue becomes, um, you, you, can't just, you can't just criticize people, criticizing, disparaging, satirizing people who don't immunize their children doesn't work. Trying to scare people into vaccines doesn't work. There's something else at work here. There, there's some reason why people avoid all of the scientific evidence, the overwhelming, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of studies 
involving thousands of people, um, there's an overwhelming science to suggest that they're indicating that there is no link between autism and these vaccines. Um, but once, but once that takes hold, it's very difficult to dispel the myth because all you have to do is introduce a tiny percentage of doubt. Right. You know, you don't have to have overwhelming evidence. You just have to introduce doubt. Right. And, and most people don't appreciate the difference between causality and correlation. That's right. You know, it just so happens, of course, that um, at around the same time kids get these vaccines, mm -hmm. it's about the same time that kids begin to show signs and symptoms of autism. That's right. That's correlational. Um, right. Because it just so happens that as you get taller, um, the size of your foot gets bigger, or that as you get taller, your weight increases. Right. You know, those things are correlational. It doesn't cause it. Um, it doesn't cause weight. Right. It, it, they're correlational. They just tend to happen around the same time um, and in, in the same direction. Right. Um, but also, I think that it's important to say that you know some of those what you were just saying goes both ways. Mm -hmm. We're not going to. You're not going to, you know, if a person is is concerned about vaccines and what the vaccines could do to their kids if they if they get them, you're not going to shame that person into agreeing to vaccinate their kids. Right. Um, and and the other other lesson is true as well. You know, those people who are strongly against vaccines, you're not going to shame people who believe in vaccines into not doing it. Right. Um, and you're not going to shame them into believing something that they don't believe. Right. Um, so, so, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit if if there was research, sound research that came out that that showed a link between autism and and vaccinations, I would read that uh, research. I would, you know, review it just like I would any other research. And I would incorporate it into my understanding of this relationship. Um, I wouldn't completely deny it just because uh, of what it what it found. And that's what science is. Science is looking at what the evidence suggests and incorporating it and figuring out are, are there certain variables that make it true in some circumstances but make it not true in other circumstances. And that's the scientific process. Um, so we we need to there's a lot of shaming that goes both ways a lot of insulting that goes both ways a lot of um a lot of disparaging comments that goes both ways and that's not going to get us anywhere that's right yeah there has to be some reason why i mean these are these are well-intentioned parents i mean they want to do the right thing for their children but they're 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 holding on <clears throat> to this and you have to call it a misbelief they're holding on to a misbelief about vaccines, vaccination, that actually place their children at risk, okay? And, and so there has to be some reasonable explanation for why they're doing that. And then and we, we said earlier, we sent out this little teaser about, in 1863, in 1836, I lost uh, one of my sons, a fine boy of four years old. And he goes on to say, I wish I would have given him the inoculation. This has been Franklin. Yeah, and this is Benjamin Franklin, who, this is smallpox, and he, there was an inoculation. We knew that if we took a little bit of smallpox from a cow and injected it into our body, that that would protect us from smallpox. So there was an inoculation, there was a vaccine that he could have used, chose not to, mm -hmm. and now is expressing, you know, uh, 60 years later, 50 years later, is expressing regret that he didn't allow his son to be vaccinated because he wouldn't have died of smallpox. And so th this isn't new, this, this notion, and this Ben Franklin's a pretty smart guy. Yeah. So this notion is pretty, is not new, that um, there's this little bit of fear because you're injecting, especially if it's a live virus. Now the, the COVID virus is not a live virus, it's a different mechanism, but many are live viruses. Polio is a live virus, mm -hmm. uh, flu vaccines, a live virus. And so, um, you're, there is this innate fear of putting something, some disease, essentially, in your body. Right. But so that's not new. What is new is this link between autism and the vaccines. Right. And it began in just 1990 right. when Andrew Wakefield published that uh, published a couple of papers, 
Now, this is interesting because what he said in the first two papers is he said measles causes inflammatory bowel disease. Mm-hmm. He said there's some link between measles and inflammatory bowel disease. Then he published eight years later. Now, he's a gastroenterologist. Right. And so this is an area of research that he's, he's been involved in. And so you say, okay, there seems to be some link between measles and IB, uh, inflammatory bowel disease. 1998, he published a, another paper. It was a group of 12 children, and eight of them um, whose behavior problems or cognitive problems seem to occur, uh, appear at about the same time that they were given the um, measles, mumps, MMR vaccine. Mm-hmm. Eight of the 12 had bowel inflammation. And right. there, yet there was no evidence that in those eight that the measles vaccine caused their inflammatory bowel disease. Right. Okay. Right. But then in uh, 2000, they published another paper linking bowel inflammation to autism spectrum disorder and ADHD and schizophrenia. So you can see how these things started to get linked. We start with measles to inflammatory bowel disease, um, inflammatory bowel disease to learning and behavior problems, and then um, inflammatory bowel disease to these disorders. So these are are correlational links. These things occur at about the same time. They, They all happen at about the same time but there's no evidence that one caused the other. We know there's an association, but there's no causal link. Right. Okay. Yeah. But then he went on a, then he did a press conference arguing that we should replace the, the three vaccines and right. do them one at a time. Right. Do, do a measles vaccine and then mumps and then rubella. Um, when he made that announcement, that he's recommending that we have a single vaccine. Mm-hmm. That's when vaccination rates began to drop mm-hmm. in the United States and in Europe. Right. However, from then on, from 2000 on, once, once he did that press conference, and it alarmed the medical community because now you have parents opting not to have their children vaccinated. Right, vaccines significantly drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. In two, now, here's, what, here's the important part of this. In 2004, The Lancet, the journal where he published the article, retracted um, a portion of his article. They began to get nervous because other laboratories were trying to replicate Wakefield's results, and they couldn't do it. Nobody could do what he, nobody could replicate and, and get nobody, these same results. Right, nobody could find the same connection that he reported. Right, and by 2010, um, the Journal of uh, American Journal of Gastroenterology had a full retraction. Right. And by 2010, and, and then that same year, Wakefield lost his license to practice medicine. There were so many flaws and so much misinformation that he actually lost his license. And what we learned later um, in 2011, there was a, uh, uh, an investigative reporter who found that Wakefield had been given 400,000 pounds. That's about a million dollars, isn't it? Um, about seven, probably about close to $700,000. Yeah. Approaching a million dollars by a law firm that was looking for clients for a class action lawsuit against the makers of the MMR vaccine, okay? Now, this is called a major conflict of interest. The other thing was Wakefield had applied for a patent for the single dose vaccine. Right. So now you have this significant conflict of interest because not only has he accepted about a quarter of a million dollars from a law firm looking for, for this uh, against the MMR vaccine, but he's also applied for a patent for a single dose vaccine. So if right. you get the single dose vaccine, he stands to make a considerable amount of money. Right. Okay. Yeah. So between the lack of scientific rigor in his papers 
and the con conflict of interest, um, he gets stripped of his med for, for unethical behavior. Right. Okay? So he gets stripped of his medical license. Right? By 2014, there had been numerous studies, dozens of studies, over and over and over and over and over, dozens of studies that all concluded that vaccines are not associated with autism. And evidence-based meta-analysis, thousands and thousands and thousands of patients came up with the same conclusion that there is no causal link between vaccines and autism. Right. Okay. And so you, that was the conclusion in 2014. Right. However, he still remained popular. Mm -hmm. He made the rounds on the circuit. Uh, celebrities made the rounds. There were some celebrities, Jim Carrey and Robert De Niro and Jenny McCarthy and Robert Kennedy Jr., who um, started appearing on talk shows. And again, it was just enough doubt right. to keep the myth alive. The scientific community overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly rejected the connection. And right. yet the internet and the talk shows and the celebrities right. were able to introduce enough doubt to keep people from vaccinating their children. Right. And, and, it's, and it's fascinating because as you said, the, the, um, the scientific community, it's, it's undeniable that the scientific community have, has demonstrated no link. Right. Yet, um, you know, even within the past five or six years, you know, half of the, the, the population isn't sure um, mm -hmm. if there's a relationship between vaccines and, and autism. Right. Even though there, there's far more evidence that there's no relationship than, um, than there ever was about any kind of relationship. Right. Um, you know, and so the, this, as you said, this, this sort of kernel of, of doubt that was introduced has really influenced a large portion of, of uh, Americans and people right. in the world who, um, who have now decided to move against vaccines and um, for, for reasons that are not founded um, and, and for reasons that are not in any way supported by medical science. And you know, people will, will talk about lots of conspiracy theories and, and, and all this, well, that's the government trying to, it's, we're trying to create a, an, an explanation to validate these false beliefs and, um, and again, there's just no research to support it at all. Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, yeah. Um, so about, you know, there, there's this very hard, about 25, 30% of people questioned that, that, that there was one study that said in 2018, 90% of people who were polled said, oh yeah, vaccines are effective, but of that group, but still 25% said, I'm not sure that they're safe. Okay. So we have this, we have this uh, persistent, stubborn myth that for some reason vaccines are dangerous. Okay, and so, um, so uh, psychologists and and um, other um, specialists are, are are thinking, why do these myths persist? So that's the second question: is why do these myths persist the way they do? Why would people? Now, now, we know that vaccination works. We know from polio, we know from all these other childhood diseases, they work and they're safe and they're effective. So why, why on earth would people reject it? And because these are people with good intentions. Right. Well, the reason is, is, is it just, is probably just another conspiracy theory. In other words, you can go back to the assassination of John Kennedy, the night, remember 9-11? you know, where there was all these conspiracy theories or landing men on the moon. There are still people who believe that that was staged at some studio in Los Angeles, okay, that we never landed on the moon. Although people landed on the moon, there are still people who don't, flat earthers, the flat earth society, there are still people who say that the earth is flat, okay. Um, so once you introduce doubt, you can, you keep these conspiracies alive. And so the anti-vaxxers are really just another um, silo of conspiracy theorists, okay? That, that yeah, there's something wrong here, there's enough doubt. 
Um, and so what is the, um, what, are, what are the common features, okay, of people who, of anti-vaxxers, okay? One of them is those who endorse spirituality as a valued basis of knowledge. Um, and, and we don't, the, all we're saying is that there are people who believe that spiritual, and I don't mean religious, I mean spiritual, not, not, not religious things like right. some particular kind of religion, but some people who believe that spirituality is a legitimate form of knowledge and, and, it, and it isn't because you can't, you can't study it. Um, right. The other is there are people who prefer alternative medicine to conventional medicine. I mean, and that's a right. Everybody has that right to, sure. um, to have a preference for alternative to conventional medicine. And the other group are those who are unwilling to engage with scientific evidence. Science is hard. Science is difficult. Most of us are not good at it. Um, you and I have had the luxury of being educated as scientists, but most people don't have that luxury. Most kids go to school, they go to high school, they don't really like science, they don't really learn about science, they avoid it in college. Those who study science in college get it, they understand it. Those who don't, and that's the majority, the majority of, of uh, college students don't take hard sciences. And so it's difficult to engage with science and to understand these concepts. And so there are some common features among the anti-vaxxers, but what it leads to is a, this conspiratorial view right. that vaccine makers are somehow cooperating with the medical establishment, that you're with big pharma or you're this or you're that, the other thing. So, so there's some conspiracy. Before we leave, the, the conspiracy was done by Wakefield. That's the irony of this whole thing. The, the conspiracy was the false evidence, let me use quotes, that Wakefield made this connection between vaccines and autism. That was the conspiracy. The right. conspiracy is not at the other end with pharmacies and the medical community. It was, it was what started with um, inaccurate information. Right. And, and it's you know, we, we've talked before on the podcast about confirmatory bias and, um, and, and things like that, where, you know, we have our personal beliefs, and then mm -hmm. we tend to only consume information right. that reinforces, confirms those beliefs, and then we kind of reject other things. And, and I think that the, I think one of the, the fascinating things that, um, you know, it's talked about in this in this article is the um, Dunning Kruger effect. Right? <laughs> had you heard of that before? I had not heard of it before, but it, is, but it is absolutely true. You know, the people that tend to be the most confident about their own expertise tend to be the people with the le least amount of knowledge about that in, about that topic or, or whatever. Um, so the people who are talking the most and the loudest typically about some of these things are, are generally the people who know the less, the least about right. uh, these issues. Yeah, I had not heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect, but certainly it's true. Um, in our field, there was a controversy years ago about IQ tests. Right. And when you had people saying, well, they're this, they're that, they're that. But when you talk to people who really know IQ tests, when you get all of the information, mm -hmm. suddenly the picture changes dramatically. But the people who know about IQ tests have the softest voices. Right. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've been in a meeting talking. It's funny that you even mentioned IQ tests because this happened just this past week. We're in we're in meeting about and we're trying to explain IQ and they say, well, you know, well IQ IQ um, predicts this and predicts that, and I was like, no, I, you know, I don't even know what IQ is. Right. All I know is that um, your score on these tests tend to predict how well you'll do in school. That's, That's about all I know. That's about it. There's some relationship between measured intellectual ability and school achievement. Right, that's about it. It doesn't predict success. It doesn't predict anything else. In right. It just, it, it just, you know, is strongly correlated with how well you're going to do and how well you will likely do in school, barring right. some problems. That's all we know. But, but yeah, you have all these people who are talking about IQ 
predicts this and it does that and it doesn't do any of those things right right so um <laughs> a survey of 1310 us adults found that over a third believed they knew as much or more about the causes of autism than doctors and scientists yeah i don't know what to do with that it, it's it's really troublesome and, and it's it, it leads to um it, it leads to so many problems primarily for the kids if we're if we're honest um you know i i've seen in working in the schools I, i've seen many times parents pushing and pushing and pushing for a diagnosis of autism mm -hmm. when it's not really clear that that's what's going on but they just want that this diagnosis most likely for a sense of relief that there is a label or a, a, an identified reason why their kid has some of these issues. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, instead of really figuring out what's going on, there's this desire just to put a name to it. And so people will look, you know, they'll do internet searches and stuff, and they'll find some of these symptom checklists and they'll say, oh, well, you know, I can check off, you know, nine of the 12 items there. So, right my kid must have that or I must have that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a symptom checklist is a symptom checklist. You know, symptoms it's, not a, it's not a diagnostic test. It's not a diagnosis, right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, so, um, and that's another, so, so we know that there's some conspiracy theory component here with this anti-vaxxers. There's another thing that's happening, however, with the internet. Right. And these are words that are very unfamiliar to me. Bots, B-O-T-S, content polluters, and Russian trolls. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are feeding information into the internet mm -hmm. that either through Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever, mm -hmm. they are feeding information into the internet that also keeps the myth alive, okay? Content polluters were 75% more likely to uh, talk about vaccines and especially anti-vaccines than non-content polluters. And Russian trolls, and tell me exactly what a troll is. What is a Russian troll? A, a, a troll is just a per, uh, somebody who is um, <clears throat> trolling through the internet, just trolling through and, and leaving these uh, posts um, and this information um, out there anywhere that they find anybody talking about anything related to it, you know, um, posting these bits of information usually missing. Right. So they're sitting at a computer somewhere in another country, presumably, right. okay, maybe here, um, and they're just feeding information into this stream. Okay, well, so and that goes back to the first word you use, bots. You know, a lot of times people will write programs and the program just does this. The computer does it on automatically. Own. Yeah. It just keeps feeding information right. to these sites, okay? So now you have this internet, which is constantly uh, creating and, and, and uh, perpetuating all of this information. And the theory, the idea is that what, what the, the trolls are trying to do is to create misinformation and get people arguing with each other, which is exactly what happened. Right. Um, enough, enough doubt creeps in. So, you know, a few years ago, uh, the president of the United States uh, forms a, a vaccination study group with Robert Kennedy Jr. at the head of it. Well, Robert Kennedy Jr. is a well-known anti-vaxxer, okay? So again, nothing came of it except, except it kept the conspiracy theory alive, you know? Well, I was in Dallas when Kennedy was, and I remember this. It's enough to keep it alive, whether it's um, uh, the... Princess Diana or Robert Kennedy or 9-11 or regardless of what it is, you can keep a myth alive with just a little amount of information. Um, right. It, well, that kind of goes to a quote from the next, the second article that was right. just published, um, you know, this past week um, right. in, in that he, he said, once a, once a myth becomes viral, it's impossible to shake it straight. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it's absolutely true uh, because, you know, there's whether it's the confirmation bias or, or whatever the case may be there's mm -hmm. just these little seeds that keep getting thrown out there um most of which take no root and have no basis in reality but right. they're 
thrown out there um, and just keeps that, that question, those questions churning. That's right. And so this, so the second article, um, which is, which is about the COVID vaccine in particular. Okay. And so we have this history of anti-vaxxers and where it comes from. It's conspiratorial. Um, and so he begins the article by saying 275 million to one. Right. Those are the odds of staying out of the hospital and not dying by getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Right. Okay. Right. And he said, I mean, those are pretty good odds. I would bet on those, right? If I could, if I could win the Powerball lottery about a 275 million to one chance, I'd probably put down $20. Um, a single individual in Hong Kong died after receiving a vaccine. And they're not even sure that it was related to the vaccine. Right. 80 million others got it and didn't die. Right. Okay. So you're talking about 80 million to one. So you're not going to get the vaccine because one out of 80 million died. And, and, and despite those odds, about 33% of Americans say they will not get the vaccine unless they're forced to. It just is mind boggling. Okay. Why, in the face of overwhelming information, could there be any doubt? Now, we know about Alex Jones. Um, you know, he's uh, churning out misinformation. And we've talked about Andrew Wakefield. Andrew, Andrew Wakefield is probably a larger problem, even than Alex Jones, okay? Um, but the anti-vaxxers preceded Wakefield. I mean, there, there were anti-vaxxers long before Wakefield. Remember, Benjamin Franklin didn't have his, his son vaccinated. Um, but this is, th these myths persist. Right. And I fell victim to the Inuit myth, uh, the, the myth about, I, I think we used to say they have 50 words for snow, it wasn't 400. But there's this myth that Inuits have 400 words for snow. They don't, right? right. And we knew 50 years ago that the Inuits didn't have 50 words for snow. And, but yet the myth persists that that um, the Inuits have all these words for snow and it was, they have 50 words for snow and none for love or something. And, but that's a myth, okay? Right. And it's this, this author who says that we have to be careful because sometimes two things just happen to coincide in time. And what he tells us is that vaccinations are given between the ages of one and four. Right. And autism symptoms appear between the ages of one and four. So you have two things occurring at about the same time. But that coincidence is not evidence. But people have turned coincidence into evidence. Absolutely. And, and it's the, again, it's the difference between correlation and causation. Right. Um, just because two things happen at about the same time doesn't mean that one causes the other one. Right. That, that, is a, that is a massive um, point that we make when we teach research design, right, mm -hmm. to, uh, to students. We, we have to emphasize that correlation and causation are two very, very different things. Right, right. And so regardless of how we study this question, as late as January 27th, 2021, 75% roughly said they would get a vaccine, 30% um, won't. 25 to 30% won't. A month later, they 70% said yes, which means 30% will not. Yeah. So one in three Americans do not plan to get the vaccine, despite all this evidence. Okay. Yeah. So the danger here is um, I'm going to wait. I, I have a little bit of doubt. Other people said Bill Gates wants to inject microchips the vaccine is gonna carry microchips so that he can track us. Um, other people say, well, let's let herd immunity yeah. take it. You have to vaccinate almost everybody in the country to get herd immunity. Well, and we, we talked about the problem with herd immunity before. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned it earlier with the Black Plague that 200 million people um, died before herd immunity um, took yeah. root. Um, but, but there, there, there's that and there's the, all of the arguing and debating and again, conspiratorial perspectives related to how quickly the vaccines came out and became available. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> because 
because this is the first time, just because this is the first time you've ever heard of a coronavirus, does not mean that this is the first time that there's ever been a coronavirus. There are many, many, many coronaviruses. Um, coronavirus is, is just named that because of the shape of the, the cell. It, it has spikes on it to make it look like a crown, corona, crown. Um, and so, but there's lots of different coronaviruses out there. And so we have some um, immunizations for some of those. And so it was a matter for the most part, you know, not to make it too simplified, but for the most part, we could take things that we've already used before and we could tweak it and adjust it to identify a way to um, make it work for um, this. So, um, yeah. yeah there, the coronavirus was new to us, laymen. But there have been people, there are scientists who have been studying coronaviruses for 20 years. Right. I mean, you get, you get an old bottle of Lysol or some old bottles of bleach and they'll have, I mean, from before 2019, right. and they have on their label effective against the coronavirus. Right. Well, we, right. we read right through that, it didn't mean anything. Right. You, now it means something, but then what, what the hell is, what is the coronavirus? Right. Um, because it didn't matter. And, and um, I remember this, um, there was a, um, a post of a, 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 or a video posted video of a guy saying, you know, hey, look, this is this mm -hmm. is a um, Lysol bottle or something like that. And he turns around and says, kills 99% of things. And on it was a coronavirus. He goes, and this is the first time we're ever hearing a No, this isn't the first time we've ever heard of a coronavirus. No, no there are scientists, there are scientists who are intimately familiar with the coronavirus. Right. It's been around for a very long time. I think the common cold is a coronavirus. Yeah, sure. yeah, they're very common. I mean, yeah. um, SARS and um, yeah. swine flu, all of those were coronaviruses. They're all coronaviruses. So we knew about, we didn't, the layman didn't, but the specialists did. And so they already had a leg up. And so it was a, it was a, it was a simple, for them, it was a simple matter of just designing an antidote. Absolutely. Unfortunately, and when we talk about herd immunity and people will say, well, I'm gonna let everybody else get vaccinated. Mm -hmm because I'll, I'll benefit from their vaccinations, okay? Um, however, you're, you're still, you're talking about herd immunity. And the problem with herd immunity is that it allows the virus to hang around longer than we want it to, okay? And, long, and what a virus will do, because they're so darn smart, long they will mutate. Yeah, right? we already they'll, become, they'll become, and, and they'll mutate and they'll become something else that is resistant to the vaccines that we're developing. And um, the, the, the mutations are more powerful and more aggressive, and then we don't have anything to treat those, okay? This is what happened in 2018, uh, 1918 with the um, uh, Spanish flu. It was the mutation that caused most of the deaths. It wasn't the original virus, it was when it mutated and then it became highly, highly um, virulent and, and caused a much larger loss of life. And that's what we're trying to avoid now, is let's get everybody vaccinated to stop this thing in its tracks before it has a chance to mutate. Okay, yeah, and that's the same thing with, um, you know, if you think about the, the flu, you know, you can get right. the flu vaccine. Well, th there's multiple strands of the flu. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just because um, you get the flu vaccine doesn't mean you're not going to get the flu because sure. there's all of these strands. It's been around for so long, the virus right. has mutated mm -hmm. and adjusted. And so there's different strands of it. Right. Um, and we're going to see the same thing with, with, with COVID-19. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that's why when Fauci and these other experts, Redfield Fauci and the others get on and they say, keep wearing your mask, keep social distancing. Um, that's why, because we want to make sure that this thing doesn't continue to mutate because it will eventually mutate into something that we don't have a treatment for. And we're going to go right back to 2020. Right. We're going to have another year like we did last year if we don't get this thing under control. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, the variants are already appearing. You, you hear about it in the news. There's yeah. a South African variant, this variant, that variant. And one of those, one of those variants is going to be immune to the vaccine. So we're going to be starting all over again where we were in March of 2020. That's what that's what scientists are trying to avoid. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so we need to we need to be and we there was a there's another point that the articles have made where you know a lot of times the things that um, you know when we think about herd immunity and taking 
um, you know, benefiting from others doing the vaccine, but right. not ourselves. Is this idea that, well, even if I got it, it wouldn't be, it won't be so bad for me. Right. That's right. But not really thinking about, you know, all of the other people that could right. be worse off if they got it, you know, if, if you're, right. you're carrying it or if you, if you do get it and you're not, your symptoms aren't that bad, but you give it to someone else. You know, I've, I've talked before about, you know, at this, at my school, we've, we've had students who tested positive with for antibodies but they had been to school and they had no idea they were symptom free um but, ha but had the antibodies meaning that they were carrying it but did not show any symptoms to suggest that they were sick right um and exposed who knows how many people that's right um, so you know we need to be th think thoughtful and and proactive for others not just for ourselves right and that's right the, you, you don't you know, the, there, there continues to be a vulnerable population out there. And we need to also be mindful that we can be carrying the, the virus, not know it, and we'd be spreading it to others. So, um, you know, think, think this whole thing through, you know, remember where the anti-vaxxers, how anti-vaxxers started, okay, where, where the conspiracy really is and where the damage was really done. And this is another one of those conspiracy theories that you need to be very careful about, but we are in a life and literally in this life and death situation. Right. So um, the, the vaccines are, are the most important contribution to medicine in a hundred years. Absolutely. And so you just can't say, well, I, I just don't believe it. Right. You know, there's a science here that you need to think about. Right, absolutely. So. All right. Well, the next time we record, I'll have had my first shot. So I'll let you guys know how that goes. Yeah, it's, it's a, I'll be interested in that. And then you get one a couple of weeks later, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're getting vaccinated. That's good. Me too. So, okay. All right. You're not an anti-vaxxer. That's right. Not me. All right. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.